Hi friends, this is Connie Alpers and I want to welcome you back to Equipped to Be, where I get to help you embrace and navigate the seasons of life so you can reach your personal family and parenting goals. We at Equipped to Be want you to understand how God has given you unique gifts, strengths, and talents so that you can live in all seasons with confidence and joy. Whether you're cooking dinner, holding laundry, or maybe just enjoying some time alone. I hope you enjoy this episode of Equipped to Be. Hey everyone, welcome to the Equipped to Be show. This is Connie Albers. I'm glad you're with us today. You know, sometimes I talk about homeschooling and the benefits of homeschooling because you guys know I homeschooled all five of my kids. And, you know, 2020, pretty much the whole world ended up, millions and millions of kids were thrust into the homeschool environment. And I have to tell you, that really isn't homeschooling. It was it was pandemic schooling, to be honest with you. But now you're in a position where you're actually deciding, what are we going to do? What will it look like? And that's what I'm going to be focusing on this episode of Equipped to Be. I've invited a special guest, my friend, Dorenda Wilson. She is a mother of eight, and she has six grandbabies. She, I believe she, I'm going to have her tell you a little bit more about herself, but she's graduated seven already, which is pretty remarkable. She's been in homeschooling for 25 plus years, but she's just released a new book and it's perfect, perfect timing, the four-hour school day. Now, Dorinda, like I said, has homeschooled for 25 years and she is a trusted voice. She's also very enthusiastic about homeschooling and giving you confidence and, and just letting you know that you can do this, that it is not something that you're not capable of doing. She also is the owner of the Dorinda Wilson podcast. So she and her husband, Daryl, like I said, he's her, her greatest cheerleader and her staunchest supporter as she is going through the journey. She is the, an author and a speaker, and you know she just loves helping moms discover God's grace. And with that, the courage to put their full trust in Him, moving forward in their faith and in confidence in what they're choosing to do. So as with um, all my podcasts, I'm going to talk to Dorinda a little bit about homeschooling and what that actually looks like, because uh, I believe there's a lot of myths and misconceptions about actually what homeschooling looks like. So Dorinda, thanks so much for coming on the Equipped to Be program. I am so glad you are with us. I know I gave a brief intro into yourself. Um, tell us a little bit more about Dorinda, how you came to write this book. What what led you even to homeschooling? Because I love your story. I love how you talk about your family, how you were raised. It's I, I think I messaged you one day and say our, our childhoods were very different, which is to me even a greater testimony to what the Lord, if God's called you, He will equip you. Um, and that was kind of like the the position of our conversation that day. But tell my listeners a little bit more about Dorinda Wilson. Well, I have been I have been married to Daryl for 32 years, and uh, like you mentioned, we have eight kids: five boys, three girls, and seven of our kids are graduated. And my husband and I decided right away, right off the bat, that we wanted to homeschool. It was something that was already laid on my heart by the Lord previous um, to even meeting my husband. Uh, I had picked up a book called "Better Late Than Early," and uh, it was just interesting because I'll never forget, even now, I'm, I'm 53 now, and I and I look back and I can remember the feelings I had while I was reading that book. 
I was, it was just resonating with my heart for these kids that I didn't even have yet. And so I knew in my heart that that's really what I wanted to do. Unfortunately, my husband was totally on board because uh, his brother uh, happened to be homeschooling his his nephew at the time, who was just a first grader. And so uh, he was he was a uh, you know really on board, really supportive with it. And we just looked at each other and just thought, you know. I, we just want to spend time with our kids. If we're going to have kids, we want to spend time with them and we want to be the greatest influence in their lives. And we just didn't feel like sending them to school that many hours a day, that many days a week was going to accomplish the goal that we had for our family. I'm sitting here thinking about a conversation. We were both at an event and I, I kind of talked to you. I got to know a little bit more about your story of having eight children and how I think you had shared you wanted 12 and Daryl wanted not 12. You compromised. <laughs> Tell us about that. I wanted 10 and he wanted two. And I, so I tell people we compromised at eight. <laughs> yeah, I think you won that compromise. <laughs> I think I did. <laughs> and you know, the funny thing is he will tell every single person he sees how happy he is that we had all those kids. So he has no regrets at all. He's very glad um, that 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 was my desire and and that we were able to that we were able to do that because not everybody can do that. That's so. true. That's true. <laughs> and I can just imagine the looks in the grocery store when you're hauling three grocery buggies and all these kids and you know I'm sure that you had like a parade down the aisle. With yeah, all the we kids. did. We did. And 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 my husband would just look at people and say, you know, they always ask if they're all yours. Yes, they are. He said, and he would tell them we're starting our own nation. You know, we just we just tried to you know have fun with it because you know we knew people weren't going to understand. But you know, at the end of the day, I think because we had just a very positive attitude about our kids and about having all the kids that we really didn't get hassled very much. People really tended to just look at us and go, okay, I guess they're happy doing this. <laughs> I just love what you just said. I'm, I think that's critical what you just said. And I, I'm going to reiterate it. When you said you had a positive attitude, something that I see happening in the culture is not a positive attitude towards motherhood or towards having a large family. It's about career. It's about uh, got to get the house, got to get, you know, got to make sure we can have that nice car. We have to be able to make sure we have a retirement plan. Um, there's everything pushing uh, the next generation, the younger generation, away from the joys and the beauty of having a family and having a large family. And that's one of the things that has always striked me about you is truly, truly, you're happy and joyful. And, and I know that has to be a bit puzzling to people just because it is it is not uh, common. Um, do you get that a lot? Yeah, I think I, I do get sort of almost dumbfounded looks from people. Like they don't actually, like I said we had eight kids, but it actually didn't sink in, you know? And it, it's interesting because, yeah, they often will you know, kind of look at me like, oh, so what do you think about that? You know, and I said, we love it. You know, we're so happy we had these kids. And, you know, I know that not everybody can or necessarily is called to a large family. So, I mean, even if you're not finding joy in motherhood and finding joy in raising your children, these are truly the best years of your life. And I think one of the things that my husband and I did that was probably a little bit unusual is we, we, we talked quite a bit with, um, older people 
along the way. Um, you know, they make comments about your, you know, when your when your oldest kids are little, you just have little kids and, and you talk about family and, and we, you know, we would say, you know, we're just, we're, we're happy we have them or whatever. And, and, and they would stop and they would get this really thoughtful look on their faces. And they would say, that is one of my greatest regrets was not having more kids or not spending as much time with them. I wish I would have spent more time with them. And, you know, it's, it, And we took that to heart because we thought, okay, if these people at this season of life with all that hindsight, and these were like, a lot of times these were very successful, very wealthy people that people, you know, the culture would look up to and say they are a success. Their biggest regret was not investing in their family like they wished they would have. So, so, you know, at the end of the day, I thought that, that is. Uh, the, that is a nugget of wisdom right there. And we heard, we seem to hear it over and over and over again. And I thought, you know what? I don't want to have those kinds of regrets. I want to know that I invested well. And, you know, I, I just think that if, if every Christian would take that mentality and really invest into their families and really raise their children, um, you know, with their their whole heart engaged, um, that our culture will look different in five years, 10 years, 15 years. It will look completely different if just the Christians would do this, because I feel like there would just be such an impact and an influence on our culture. Um, and, and I, you know, God, God's view of children is positive. And that was the other thing. My husband, when we were deciding, you know, are we going to continue on? Because at some point you have to sort of like go, okay, are we going to do this? And are we not going to do this? And when we were, you know, I was praying and praying and praying, praying and trying not to like pressure him because I did not want at the end of the day to, to have children. And then when things got difficult, he would look at me and say, this was your idea. There you and, wanted you know, them all. <laughs> yeah, you wanted this. This was not my idea. I, you know, so we, I wanted to be in agreement. That was the most important thing. So uh, he just went straight to the Bible. He's like, okay, I can listen to people until the cows come home, but I got to know what does the word of God say about children? What's God's view of children? And so he just kind of went through and just, you know, looked up every verse he could find on children. And he just came back to me and he said, it's so clear, Dorinda, God says they're a blessing. He said, if God wanted to financially bless me, I would never say, oh, no, no, stop. Yeah. Don't, don't give enough. me any I got more. enough, Lord. Yeah. yeah, I got enough. This is enough. But God's saying, no, I want to give you more. Uh, he goes, I don't want to say no to that. If he says they're a blessing, then they're a blessing. And, and of course, you know, as we went along and there were difficult days or seasons, he would have to remind me. <laughs> Remember what we you know? talked about? <laughs> yeah, he would say, are they a blessing or are they not? And, you know, sometimes when we say they're a blessing, it doesn't just mean, I'm not talking about sentimentality of just everything being, oh, it's wonderful. The children are running through the grass and everybody's happy and, you know, Wait a minute. Whatever. That's not what but, it was like? You know, there were days, there were times it was, and that was a blessing, but it's also a blessing when we are humbled and when God humbles us and we realize I am prideful and and I am taking out my pride and, you know, my, you know, whatever on my children and this is not okay. And my children have shown me this part of myself that I never would have seen had they not been in my life. <laughs> yeah, right. It takes selfish women yeah. and turns them into selfless, you know, mothers. Exactly. Um, yes. If we allow yes, that so. to happen. And same for our husbands. Exactly. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, um, I homeschooled. My audience knows that I was a homeschooling mother. And when I began homeschooling, it was in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. And most people didn't know that it was legal. And they actually didn't know that it could work. And to be honest with you, I didn't know if it could work either. You know, we had to we had to prove that um, we could do this. There was an enormous pressure put on us uh, because pretty much we were told only those that were degreed educators were fit to educate their children. And so, you know, when I began, there was this uh, pressure to perform. And every time, and I'm sure you got this with your older kids, uh, every time you would go somewhere and they'd say, where do you go to school? Um, and my kids would say, Albers Academy. And and they'd be like, oh, where is that? And so then you have to like go into that whole story and their eyebrows are raised. And, you know, it's different now than, than what it was. But th- what I love about your book is, you know, so much had to be proven. Well, okay, that's proven. And it's it's just test scores reveal, you know, parents, homeschoolers not only thrive, they excel in their studies. If the parent just, just every day just shows up and they're faithful, there's so many resources available out there to them. But, you know, you homeschooled all eight of your children. I What advice do you have for those parents that are just starting out in this homeschool, not pandemic homeschooling, but they're just starting off with, I think I'm going to do something different. I'm actually going to go down this homeschool journey intentionally and not forced. Yeah, I think, you know, you you mentioned this already, but just that feeling of inadequacy is, is probably one of the first and uh, most consistent things that we probably deal with as as homeschooling parents. Um, but I, I I want to just encourage new homeschoolers to relax and realize that you are more qualified than you realize. Um, you are uh, you play a very significant God given role in your children's lives. And I believe that if God calls you to to homeschooling, um, that he's gonna he's gonna qualify you along the way. You know, it's you know your children better than anyone. Um, and you love them more than anyone, and you are more invested in their future than anyone. Even the best teacher on the planet does not have the kind of love and care for your children that you do. And so I'm always encouraging parents, understand that you you work from that place of nurturing. If you work from that place of nurturing and you are a parent first, so much of the teaching and the learning will happen naturally. So if if you're thinking about homeschooling or you want to give it a try, just remember that you're more qualified than you realize. And also ignore the naysayers. This is something I think you and I had to do a lot, right? If we were going to keep doing what we were doing, we had to just say, okay, you know, in our heads, we're not, not in real life, but in our heads, we're saying, talk to the hand. Um, <laughs> because at the end of the day, we realized we were responsible for our kids. At the end of the day, we're responsible for every aspect of their care, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, um, that includes their education. So even if we send them somewhere else, we are still responsible for what they're learning. As a parent, that is our role and that is our responsibility. It's it's God-given. And so if God's going to give us that role and that responsibility, will he not equip us for it? You know, we can, there's always, you know, you were mentioning we have so many resources. We can outsource certain things. There's just, there's a way to do this. Um, but remember um, that 
you know, there will be hard seasons, but don't give up. You know, when you're parenting, we run into hard seasons, but we don't give up. We don't stop being a parent. We figure it out. We problem solve. And if we can go into homeschooling with that same mentality, um, that we're on an adventure with our kids and we're going to problem solve along the way. You know, think about those survivor shows where they go out and, you know, they've got just this, this, and this to work with, you know, a knife and a, you know, whatever. They've got three things to work with and they got to survive. And if we can just think of it as something like that, then all of a sudden I feel like what's going to happen is we're going to be able to dig deep into that really creative part of us and really um, forge forward. And as we do that more and more and more, we grow in confidence. And pretty soon the naysayers, we just go, oh, ha, you know, thank you. Have a nice day. <laughs> you know, um, but, you know, at the end of the day, our kids are our responsibility, but they are also our joy. They are a blessing and we want to enjoy them. And so the homeschooling journey, I believe, should be one of joy, not that there's not going to be hard things and we're not going to be tears and there's not going to be times we have to persevere. But in the big scheme of things, um, the, I, I think the goal and the and it, it is possible to have um, joy being the overarching theme of our homeschooling journey. I was thinking about what you were saying as far as you just have these few things. This is all we had. You know, we're going to go, you know, survive. I think about when I began homeschooling, there there wasn't a lot available. So we basically had to create what is. And now I feel there's, it's good. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. Uh, but now there's a plethora of resources available. And so instead of Oh, we don't have anything to use. Where's the scope and sequence? Let me go to our, you know, local school board uh, website to find out, okay, what are they supposed to be learning? Now there's so much that parents are can be, and, and tell me if you see this too, um, parents can almost feel a paralysis, a crippling of, what if I pick the wrong math? <laughs> what, which one is the best? Uh, do you, I'm sure you have heard that quite a bit over the years, and especially now with the, the four hour school day. What do you say to the parent who feels like they're overwhelmed by just the sheer volume of options? Well, you know, I can only share my own experience and my own experience when I would become overwhelmed was such that I realized I, God didn't want me to be overwhelmed. Like that was not his plan for me. And so this was not him overwhelming me. This was me allowing myself to be overwhelmed or overwhelming myself, which I'm really good at. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I think you wrote about that uh, a little bit. I was, I was seeing, yes. I was looking at a yeah. book and there were, you met, you addressed that a little bit. Yeah, I think, um, you know, honestly, the, the first thing I would encourage a parent to do is to just be a student of your child. Spend time with your kids. Spend some time sort of, especially if you're coming out of the public school system, uh, de-schooling. You know, de, you know, de, debunk, de, uh, what would I say? Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Where you want to just like get away from Decompress? That yeah. No. Well, just, I know there's a word, isn't there? And we're, yes. And I can't, and I can't remember it either. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's basically where you want to just step away from that, that thinking and allow your thinking to change and allow it to become um, more, what's more natural for you, what's more natural for your kids. Um, at the end of the day, I, honestly, just about any curriculum will work. You can get it to work 
for your child if you know your child. And so it's not about picking the perfect curriculum. It's about knowing your child. And once you know them well, that will automatically limit what you're going to, you know, use for your kids. Also to consider yourself as a mom, what works for you? I, what do you mean by that? Well, I never stood in front of all of my children and taught like a teacher. I never did that. And so, you know, I know when I told people that I homeschooled there, I'm sure they were picturing, you know, all my kids in, in a little chair and me standing at the top, you know, at the front with a chalkboard and it never one single day ever looked like that. Oh, ever. I, I have to confess. I did do that. <laughs> Until I decided, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, the only thing we really know is, uh, you know, typically is is a is a traditional classroom. But John Taylor Gatto said that um, basically there are as many ways to educate as there are fingerprints. Honestly, the sky's the limit. You know, and again, that doesn't answer your how do I, you know, how do I scale it down? But I think it is important to realize it can look like oh. We're going to go, uh, my, my kindergartner is going to learn how to count using, uh, spoons out of the drawer in the kitchen. Instead of buying a math curriculum, we're just going to use things around the house. Um, that is one thing I really enjoyed doing. I, I liked using simple tools to teach our kids, especially in those early years and just doing it in conversation as we were walking throughout our days. You know, we have to understand our kids learn so much from just everyday life. Us just living life alongside of them, taking them with us to the post office and the grocery store. And, you know, they see how we interact with people and they learn what does it look like to be polite and to have a conversation with somebody. These are all the soft skills that, Connie, you and I know at the end of the day really end up being as important or more important than the information that they gather. Yeah, I, in their totally. education, those those soft skills are are so key. You know, there's even even those that uh, are homeschooling for different reasons. Let's say they're uh, they're homeschooling for academic excellence. Not that you're not right, but you know they're not thinking all these soft skills that they're going to teach their children. They're thinking, I want a superior education, and the best way to get that is through this method because the school system's failing. Yada yada. You and your husband both were a product of the public school system. And I was reading in your book where you talk about, yeah, I mean, you really didn't have any major issues with it. It's just, I feel as I was reading through the four-hour school day, you were basically saying, I I just want, I have a different picture. Daryl and I have a different vision of what we want for our family. Not that one wasn't working, but that we wanted something more. Uh, You know, how do you speak to that topic? We want, we wanted purpose over performance. And I think that was probably the best way to describe it. We wanted our, we wanted to parent with purpose. We wanted our children to have an education with purpose. And we were determining what that purpose was. And because there's such a difference between the two performance, um, you know, not that, like you said, not that we don't want to give our children a a robust education. But at the end of the day, we want them to have purpose and we want them to fulfill the purpose that God has created them for. And I think as parents, we have a lot better 
chance of honing in on that if we've got them with us and we're living life together and we're providing the resources they need to follow their interests and their hobbies. And, um, and you know, that's why, you know, back to the conversation about curriculum, I just prayed. I was like, Lord, what do you have for these kids? What's the best thing for them this year? I remember one year I thought, I don't even know. I don't know what to choose. I don't know. So, and the kids were all still pretty young, but I just said, Lord, what, you know, can you just provide what we need? Just lead me to it. And I was at a yard sale and um, I ran across this book set and it was just the coolest thing. It was just, it was very lit, it was literature based. I don't even remember what it was. And I just felt like God had answered my prayer. And so I didn't need to look anywhere else and I didn't need to panic and I didn't need to, I could trust that the Lord was going to bring us exactly what he had for us. And um, he's just faithful. So I think the the more important thing is purpose. Understand why you're doing what you're doing. Mm, I like that. You know, we've talked about so many, there's been so many subtopics under the questions that we've had in our conversation. We've debunked some of the myths out there, but in writing this book, you know, writing a book is, is quite a feat. You want to, I know you wanted to kind of debunk some of the the biggest myths. Um, do you have a couple that are just top of mind? Uh, yeah, I would say that um, the, the first one, obviously, uh, you can get from the title that this does not have to take seven hours a day. You know, I think that is one of the hesitations that a lot of people have in homeschooling their kids is they just think, oh, it's going to take us all day. It's going to take us the same as a, a school day. And uh, and it's just simply not true because we can hone in on exactly where our kids are at, what they need, how they need to learn it. We, we can adjust the approach, the curriculum, the methods according to what works for them. So it's far more effective in a lot less time. We don't have... Um, we're not doing crowd control. We do not have all the interruptions. I have talked to countless teachers and I directly asked them how much learning time actually happens in the classroom. And they said, oh, oh, it's a small fraction of the time that the kids are there. So they have to practice standing in line. Yeah. So at the end of the day, uh, you know, that most of that time was spent doing a lot of other things other than learning. And then when they finally do get to that learning piece of it, what if your child is uncomfortable for some reason because they have to go to the bathroom or they're just not focused because they've been so distracted for so long or now they're getting hungry? You know, there's so many reasons that even during that learning time, the child may not be fully engaged. And so as parents, we can just be tuned into that and it makes it so much more efficient and effective. Um, I think the second uh, myth to debunk, of course, is socialization. <laughs> No, we're still, you know, that's what's amazing to me, Dorinda. We're still having this conversation about socialization. It's like, come on, find a new hot button or something. I know, <laughs> right? I know. I, I I totally hear what you're saying because I, I literally have to pray a prayer under my breath when someone says it to me because I just want to look at them and say, are you kidding me? You know? No, we have to, we have and to like put a pause a little bit on I the socialization do. because do. that's all we get is socialization. <laughs> it's so true. At the end of the day, I tell, I'm telling you, I I know I have, you know, you and I both know countless homeschooling families and these kids are some of the most social people you have ever met. They will talk to you as an adult 
as though they are an adult. And, you know, they talk to children, they know how to relate to them, how to, it's just amazing to watch because, you know, I, I, I know that technically there is no difference between the word socialization and socializing, but in my mind, I've made a difference. Socialization is about conformity and socializing. It's just the healthy thing that we all do as humans that we enjoy when we when we're talking on the phone, when we go to the grocery store, like I mentioned before, we take our kids out. We, you know, we model socialization and they eventually follow our lead. And, you know, obviously there are times when we got to give a little instruction, but we would have to do that anyway as parents, you know, whether our child went to school or not, you know, teaching our boys that, okay, this is not the time or the place to pass <laughs> gas or talk about <laughs> gas or whatever, you know. Yeah, we have guests over. We don't burp at the table, you know, just common mannerisms. Yes, yes. I like how you said the difference between socialization and socializing. What a great distinction, because that's actually what we are seeing now in in the, in the public school system. And I think that's why our country and so many millions of parents are in an uproar. They want their children to get an education. And I would even venture to say, if you were to ask them these two co- these two phrases, socialization or socializing, my bet would be the overwhelming majority would be like, no, I just, I want them to learn soft skills, socializing, how to, how to interact, how to not be awkward in conversations, not how to think like every other fifth grader in the class or how, right? Would you agree? Exactly. I would totally agree. And then also uh, think about this. Think about this. If how many times in your life, once you're out of school, are you actually in a room with 30 other people, your own age, eight hours a day? How is that preparing our children to socialize well? Well, I mean, in the, in the Wilson tribe of 12, I mean, you had every age, you had every class uh, age scope and sequence going on at the same time. <laughs> so, um, so as we as we kind of wrap up this interview, I I love the cover of the book. It just from the visual imaging of sitting in a hammock, the peace, the calm, the the butterflies that are swimming. And friends, as you're listening to this, if you know someone who is considering, you know, like they're trying to make a decision, they're fighting their school board, they're doing all the things, all the things, you you all know what that I'm talking about there. I want you to consider checking this book out. Why? It's, It's more than just that you can homeschool. I mean, you've heard that from people that have homeschooled for a long time. But what I like about the four-hour school day is one, it's more than you can do it. it. It's it's how you can do it. And there's a peace, a calmness, a a restfulness, uh, and I and I'm gonna say a hope. A hope that we can educate our children well and not have it be a stress-filled, stressed out environment. Not that there isn't stress, there is, because that's life and that's a family. But Dorinda, as as we kind of close out our segment together, and I'm just so glad that you were able to join me today, um, could you just say, uh, you know, tell the parents, what, what do you feel like the confidence um, to take control of their child's education, how, how do you present that in, besides the fact that it's a four-hour day and it, it's not all day long, depending, unless it's like one of my kids and they have to like experience it all day long, but in general, it doesn't have to take that long. But how do you feel like 
parents um, that you can give those parents the confidence, and I'm going to add hope, um, that they can take control of their child's education. Well, I think I mentioned this earlier, um, understanding how valuable your role is in your children's lives. Um, I think when we value that role, uh, we live up to that. And I think it's important for us to remember that all along the way. We have the right and the responsibility to make these decisions for our children. And providing safety, security, and stability, um, that's what we provide for our kids. And as we do that, they learn easily and more easily and naturally. So at the end of the day, really, like I mentioned before, that nurturing piece of it, just providing that safety, that security and stability will give our kids the environment to to learn more easily, more readily. So it's not like as much of an uphill battle. It doesn't need to be an ongoing uphill battle. Um, And, you know, it's not about choosing the perfect curriculum as much as it is about uh, raising emotionally healthy, caring, contributing adults who are critical thinkers and problem solvers. And so these are... That's like a tweetable. (laughs) (laughs) Well, isn't that at the end of the day what we really want? I mean, if you asked any parent, is this what you want for your kids? They would say, oh, yes. Well, that's purpose right there. We talked about purpose earlier. Well, if we understand that that is our purpose and we continue to go back to it, every time things get difficult or challenging or we have questions, we go, what What is my purpose at the end of the day? What do I really want for my kids? Well, I want to raise healthy, caring, contributing adults who are critical thinkers and problem solvers. What does that look like in this situation? And all of a sudden, we're, we're parenting and we're educating with purpose. Sage advice, sage advice from somebody who has been in the trenches and still is. You've got seven uh, grown, uh, one on the, you know, one left that you're still educating. Um, And and just what uh, what a sage uh, advice. Drinda, where can we find the four-hour school day? Well, you can find it at just about any bookseller. You can find it on Amazon, any of your favorite booksellers. You can go to my website, DorendaWilson.com. Yeah, it, it shouldn't be difficult to track down. <laughs> okay, uh, that is fantastic. And um, friends, if you're looking to find Dorinda, I will have in the show notes where you can connect with Dorinda. And I, I really encourage you to do that. You'll just feel, uh, you'll feel this soothing calm and encouragement that is more than a cheerleader. A cheerleader is wonderful. And, and my kids know that I am their greatest cheerleader and I always will be. But sometimes you just need to have that hand that stretched out, not with a, hey, I have all the answers, do, you know, this is it, but that is giving you hope and help, that is infusing joy with confidence um, so that you can make the right decisions for your family. Um, and not have to second guess and something that we said uh, earlier, Dorinda, uh, and not live with a host of regrets. I mean, we don't want to turn the tassel and then pine away at all that we didn't do or all that we did do that we wish we wouldn't have had, we wouldn't have done. Um, there's always going to be a certain element of, gosh, I wish I would have X, Y, Z. I mean, that's just kind of common. But but the whole scope of your child's childhood, they have one childhood, and you have an opportunity to shape, mold, and form them into the person God's made them to be. And 
So if you're if you're considering it or if you know someone who's considering homeschooling, real homeschooling, and they, they want something different, they want to create a new family legacy, I would encourage you to check out Dorinda's new book. And Dorinda, thank you so much for being a guest on Equipped to Be. I know my listeners will have great value and benefit from you coming on the program. So I'm just delighted that you were able to stop by for uh, our, our conversation and uh, that we can in- support and encourage parents in their decisions and their journey. Thank you so much for having me, Connie. Well, that wraps up this episode of Equipped to Be. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with a friend or family member and hit subscribe so you don't miss a show. And thank you again for joining me. Remember that we are equipped for every season of life.